Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com str. You have somehow ended up listening to the stuff that's real that you didn't know was real but also is cool podcast or sturdy dick were bayek or uh never mind Well, welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. As you already probably know, if you don't know, well, I'd still say you're in the right place. But if you do know, you probably already know that you're listening to the Stuff That's Real podcast. Like I said, don't go closing the tab or click and stop or anything. You're in the right place. Don't go closing the tab. Trust your instincts, listener. (laughs) You are in the right place. And you're in for a treat today because we've got some pretty cool topics to talk about. And before we jump into that, you know, just real quick, I am one half of these amazing hosts. My name is Nick Thacker, and I'm an author, and I write thriller books. And I'm also here with my other half host. <laughs> I know, I'm three, have three halves of the other side. Three halves. I'm negative one half three. of this equation. <laughs> um, yeah, this is Kevin, and you're also an author, I believe, Mr. Kevin. Is that true? I I sometimes play an author on TV. <laughs> well, we write thriller novels and uh, among other things. But, you know, what we do, that, that's kind of basically what we're saying is you may think that's a pretty sexy career field. And we get a lot of swag like yachts and free T-shirts all the time. For, and, and you would be right. But one of the things that we really kind of like to say is that our job is actually doing research all day. We research stuff. We look stuff up on the Internet. And everybody knows that that's a completely safe and healthy way to spend your afternoons. So we just do that all day long. That's it. And uh, this is the result. This is the stuff we find. And these are the pale, pasty, half-sweaty results. That's right. <laughs> Basement <laughs> dwellers united. <laughs> Got my neck beard going on here. But I'm going to get into some cool uh, conspiracy theories and some interesting things that you may not have known was real, but absolutely is real. And we're going to talk about how they're real, why they're real, what you can do with them if you're writing books like us. You know, if not, just hang on for the ride. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. With that, I just got panged by Kevin <laughs> here with his... I don't want to ruin it. I, why don't you... Do you want to just jump in and tell us what you're talking about today? Yes. Well, there's bad news for you if you are currently listening to this podcast via what we call the internet, because the internet, in fact, died five years ago. Mm. That is at least the heart of a conspiracy theory, which I've got a couple articles here I shared with Nick, and I'm sure he'll put them in the show notes, but nope. uh, one of them is from, nope, nope, you're on your own. Google that if you dare, but when you do, know that you are playing into a Potemkin village. Do you know what a Potemkin village is, Nick? You know, I do. I feel like you told me what it was last week at the end of the show. You know, I need a, a clearer definition of this, and I did not look it up, but... Yeah, you were hoping that I knew what it was so that I could tell you what it was and you could be like, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. I was going to verify. So (laughs) I may even have the terminology wrong, but I will look it up real quick. 
Nope, there it is. A Potemkin village. I just want to get the definition right so that we're starting from the right place. But the whole thing is, first known use of that term is from 1904, and it's defined as an impressive facade or show designed to hide an undesirable fact or condition. The history of it is uh, Grigory Potemkin supposedly built an impressive fake village or a series of impressive fake villages along a route that Catherine the Great was to travel. And so he did this to give her the impression that her kingdom was thriving. So everywhere she went on this tour of her kingdom, he set up these Potemkin villages so that he could actually, uh, they'd do these like firework displays. He'd have like soldiers dressed in fine uniforms. It was always the same soldiers and she never noticed. So the idea here is that it's a facade. It's a fiction set up to fool people to think that everything's okay. Now, fast forward to our internet era and there is a theory that Google is a Potemkin village, that in fact, the internet, as we know it, died five years ago. And it's a kind of interesting theory. So the sort of foundation behind it is that there are these bots that roam the internet and create the links that Google uses to serve you results. But a lot of the links no longer go anywhere. So there's actually a bunch of broken links, moved websites, websites that have disappeared. We know this is true. I mean, if you do a Google search, you'll get thousands, millions of links that may not actually point to where they're supposed to point. So the whole notion of going to Google and searching for something and getting like a billion results is kind of a false one because every one of those links may actually be broken or non-functional. Now, you still get some, there's still some around, but you can sort of verifiably go and search and find things that just don't exist anymore. So in the articles that we're sharing, and this one keeps mesmerizing me, there's one with this phone, it's like this pulsing wave behind it, and I keep getting distracted That's what I'm by looking it. at. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm not even listening <laughs> to you, I'm just watching the, the, the I've GIF just image. Been, I've been watching that for like three days. It talks about, if you search the phrase, I hate texting on Twitter, and scroll down, I'm reading from The Atlantic right now, you'll start to notice a pattern. An account with the handle Pixie Lover, P-I-X-Y-L-U-V-R, at Pixie Lover, and a glowing heart as a profile picture tweets, I hate texting, I just want to hold your hand, receiving 16,000 likes. And it says an account with the handle F41RYGF, and a peak orb as a profile picture tweets, I hate texting, just come live with me, receiving 33,000 likes. And an account with the handle It's Pure Love and a pink orb as a profile picture tweets, I hate texting, I just want to kiss you, receiving more than 48,000 links. And so there's, it talks about how there's like changes to the verbiage, but it's always sort of the same idea. And it seems like there's no real, like nothing nefarious or anything going on, but it's sort of an indication of, uh, I'm trying to read through the article real quick. I don't want to misphrase this, but. Uh, it says, some people on Twitter have wondered whether these are really, truly just people with crushes in the age of smartphones, and they said they've pointed at them at uh, possible evidence validating their theory of dead internet theory, or the idea of dead internet theory. And it's this idea that there's all this stuff kind of floating around there that's actually being produced by bots and not by real humans. So I remember as early as, man, early 2000s, maybe late 90s, when the internet was sort of in its infancy or the internet as we know it. It's been around for like 60 or 70 years, actually, at this point, just in various forms. But the World Wide Web came around in like 1993 was when it was created. Tim Berners-Lee and a team basically built what we now call 
the web. And by the late 90s, you know, it had kind of taken off and, and become something that everyone uses in those. But there were these projects, even back then, to create basically mechanical Turks. And that idea was kind of the early days of artificial intelligence. The idea was to create a system that could fool other people into thinking that it was a real human responding to your questions. And so I remember there being a lot of these. And those were early days of sort of AI research. And they were really trying to get to develop it to a point where you could have an entire conversation with a machine and not realize you were having it. So some people think that a lot of this stuff was ported over into the age of social media. And then that they basically have tons of like Twitter accounts, and Facebook accounts that are not real human beings. And I think we know this is at least partially true that these not real human beings went on to create all kinds of content, including blog posts and other things that we now see online when we're searching for certain results, right? Sure. But the reality is that it's all being generated by machines and that the content that would have been there is gone, has been gone forever, <laughs> for at least five years. Yeah. I mean, and you and I have done an episode on GPT-3, yep. the AI or uh, you know, machine learning neural net, basically, that um, OpenAI is working on. And We've generated content together, you know, side by side. You and I have gone in and prompted it to come up with, you know, hey, write me a story or write me a, uh, we typed in a, a URL, pasted in a URL and said, this is a website that has a scientific study. Explain it to me like I'm 12. Mm -hmm. And it spit out the answer exactly accurately, you know, like as if I were 12 years old. It explained it in language we could understand. Yeah. And so there's no reason to suspect, one, this is the only company that's got such a thing, right? That's got a way to generate content. We know for a fact that it's not. And two, there's no reason to suspect that there's nobody using it to literally generate content on the fly when people search for stuff. Right. I experienced this, you know, kind of a microcosmically on Reddit, which is when I'm feeling masochistic and want to kill myself, I go on Reddit because I hate myself. And, and I read what purportedly the rest of the world is thinking about certain things and what they're saying yeah. about certain topics. And I don't want to get into the topics because I will get into rage mode very quickly. But I notice these responses are written in a way that seems human, which is a low bar, I will say, because the command of the English language is staggeringly poor on some of these websites like Reddit. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't take much for it to come across as human. So one, it passes the Turing test. But two, these comments are in direct response to somebody's vitriol often, and they're just essentially trying to troll. Now, everything I've just described absolutely is the way I do Reddit. I consider myself a professional troll. Of course, they could be real humans, but they could also easily not be. Right. And I've often wondered how many of these responses um, and the questions themselves or the, the statements themselves that are being responded to are written by bots that just have Reddit accounts and just post things based on political well, theory. Well, that the would explain a whole lot, basically, but it would explain why certain themes kind of keep getting repeated and... That's something that came out of this Atlantic article that I thought was interesting. Was The author of the article was saying that this dead internet theory kind of explains why they keep seeing different stories, sensationalized stories about unusual moon-related events. So like as hmm. they, they put it, like, what's a super flower blood moon? <laughs> what's a pink supermoon? And who the hell cares? <laughs> but there will always be these headlines, like, there's something special yeah. about this weekend's moon. Don't miss this rare moon event. You know, and so the theory, and I think this is probably accurate. So that's what's interesting about this dead internet theory is that if we really start looking, we're going to start seeing evidence that this is 
true, that maybe the internet itself is not quote unquote dead, as in there aren't any humans on it, although that is the extreme, that's sort of the extreme version of this conspiracy theory that we've all- But that's easy to debunk though, right? I mean, because we're on it. So obviously- Well, okay, but think about this. Is it easy to debunk? Because I mean, I guess guess I'm not thinking of it the right way. So I'm on the internet right now. Think of it like this. And I'm creating content on it. How do you know that I am not a deep fake version of Kevin Tomlinson? Well, because I'm not. How do I know that? Does that make not? sense? That's the exact well, you sort don't, of thing that but I'm saying. I, I know that. that. So therefore, <laughs> what I'm saying is, if I know, you know let's, let's just assume that I can know, because mm-hmm. you know, we could get into the whole matrix theory as well, right? But right. let's just assume that I'm a real human and I'm on the internet right now. That myth would have to mean that I'm the only real human on the internet at any given time. And that seems really snowflakey to me. I don't think that's probably the way. I think there's other humans. Yeah, I agree. The other angle of this is there could only be a very small number of humans that are actually on the internet. And that what we think is a big wide world out there is actually a much smaller place. And I'm glad you brought up the Matrix because that factors in (laughs) to this whole idea that one part of this theory or one explanation of this theory is something that's been kicked around for decades is that we might actually be living in a simulation and not what we think of as the real universe. And I recently was kind of interacting with, we. it's like we bring this guy up in every episode. I was kind of interacting with Graham Hancock on Twitter. He did a post with a video about why these cultures disappeared or what happened to them and you know, what about the cultures that took their place? And I sort of pushed this theory that, you know, since we have this theory that the universe may be a simulation, I think that a rational explanation for the disappearance of former cultures and civilizations could be that they were ultimately replaced by some version of artificial intelligence. Hmm. And that over time, they embraced that AI, that artificial life more and more until it surpassed them. And then their culture was just gone and it was replaced by this new culture, which eventually forgot that it was artificial and then created its own version of AI. I mean, it's sort of this like, you know, matrix style, like metaverse, matrix within the matrix thing that just sort of keeps repopulating. Like the, the transcendence of the human race leads to artificial intelligence and then creating another version of the human race. Exactly. Essentially. So, so human transcendence leads to becoming God and then the God, which that is transcendent easy. human, right? It creates another human race. Right. And so the connection here is when you start looking at history, there are repeated themes throughout history. So, for example, the flood myth, right? Or mm-hmm. the flood history, depending on who you are. I mean, I believe that there was a flood, but that the idea of a flood mythology reoccurs in history and mythology over and over again in civilizations that really had nothing at all to do with each other. And so it's the same thing as a flower moon or a super flower blood moon or whatever, right? It's this theme that starts to repeat over and over again because of, you can call it a glitch in the matrix or you can call it, you know, the bots have run out of source material and they're not yet intelligent enough to create brand new source material. Because when we tried out that AI, it didn't go out, read a bunch of articles and then think up a summary. It took a bunch of those themes and keywords and it created a summary based on a set of rules. Correct. The reason that the GPT-3 engine was really cool to us was because it was by far the most advanced we had seen in practice and and could play with. But the reason that was true is that OpenAI fed it a chunk of the internet. 
Right. And that was the only source material it was pulling from. And that included Reddit and Wikipedia and things like that. So the more that you feed it, the more it's going to be able to pull from, but it's not creating its own ideas. Yeah. Yet. (laughs) But that's the thing, right? So what if the original idea from an AI becomes the start point of the end of a civilization? So the whole dead Mm -hmm. internet theory, I'm sort of extrapolating outward from this, but the reason it's fascinating to me is because we have seen things like this throughout our history. So the dead internet theory is really just an extension of that whole Potemkin village idea of history repeating itself over and over again. And then all of a sudden, everything we thought we knew turns out to be a story we were fed by something. And it changes everything when we realize that it's not real. We are in an era of questioning reality. You and I were talking about this before the show even started, but This is an era of questioning what is real, what does reality even mean, is reality malleable, or is it concrete? I think reality is very much malleable, but I don't think it's malleable in the ways people are currently treating it. I think there's a consequence for denying reality, but this is very heady. I feel like I've just stepped into a whole philosophical plane here, but the idea that excites me about the dead internet theory is how it relates to the repetition of events throughout history and the rise and fall of certain civilizations as an explanation for that sort of thing. We're a very digital civilization at this point. We are, Library of Alexandria is all online and has hashtags and URLs. And at this point, we don't actually know what's real online. We can't know what's real because everything we search for could have been generated by an artificial intelligence, could have been skewed. And it's in this echo chamber that we ourselves know is is kind of dangerous to society. Like there's this echo chamber happening in social media right now. People gather and they share the same idea over and over again. And sooner or later, that idea is the only truth they're willing to recognize. And they will go to war, bloody conflict to defend it, no matter how ridiculous (laughs) it was when it started. So I feel like I was all over the place with that, but it's such an exciting idea to me. (laughs) No, that's cool. I'm scrolling through. The Atlantic has a... um, has a whole series called Shadowland mm-hmm. on conspiracy theories. And this article that you sent is one of those. And I'll link to it in the show notes. I think there's a lot of BS articles in here in the Shadowland series. There's some good ones. Yeah. Well, it this seems was pretty just like. One. I grabbed no, two no, no. Articles I mean, the, your said... article was great. I'm stuck on their Shadowlands homepage because it's really cool. And they, they yeah. did a really good job with the list of these articles. I'm not endorsing the Shadowland series. Yeah. I'm saying it seems like, you know, you're pretty typical mainstream media, left wash BS for some of these. Um, you know, hey, right or wrong, whatever side you fall on the political spectrum, just be aware that you're on that side, right? Yeah. That's all I'm saying to people. True. But anyway, getting away from all that. No, this is great. This actually fits perfectly with what I'm bringing in today because, I mean, I've used it in a book in the Amazon code. This was sort of the main, like, MacGuffin or main shtick, if you will. And it's from Michio Kaku's book. I think it's Physics of the Mind or Physics of the Future. A Future of the Mind. All his book yeah. titles sound the same and they're all kind of the same They're all thing. pretty similar, yeah. He just and has I all these ideas all. and he's like, well, I guess I'll write another book. <laughs> <laughs> so this article, uh, this one called, on his website, a beautiful, I think it's his website. Maybe it's not. I don't think it is actually. Never mind. A beautiful dot world. Uh, there's an article here called The Scientific Quest to Understand, Enhance, and Empower the Mind. And um, he's talking about his book here generally, but it's a podcast episode. I didn't want to link to the podcast episode because, you know, they're our competitors. But no, I'm just kidding. There's some cool stuff here, man. So essentially what we're talking about is this idea that's no longer theoretical that we can record dreams. 
We can yes. record a video of someone's dream. Yeah. And uh, and the way this works, the way it was explained in his book, when I remember reading this years ago, was that you'd sit in a functional MRI machine, an fMRI machine, and while you're in there, you've got electrodes on your head. And or I actually no, I'm sorry. He's talking about an MRI machine in this version. The one that I read about in his book, I think there's no MRI. I think he's talking about the future, how this would work, is you would put a bunch of electrodes on your skull. The more electrodes you get, the more accurate the video. And then they show you a picture on a, like a projection image of like nine dots, a three by three grid mm-hmm. of dots, right? And then they light up one of the dots and you see the dot, right? You're watching it happen. And so they're recording kind of where in the brain that you're seeing that happen, if you will, mm-hmm. where that optic nerve hits the, whatever it is, the pare- uh, cerebellum, I think. And then, you know, they do this with, with enough dots and then they turn off the projection and they just ask you to think about the dots lighting up. They'll say, you know, light up the top right dot. And you do in your brain, you just imagine that dot on the wall lighting up and they can record where that's happening, where the electromagnetic response is in the brain. And so what I'm getting at, you know, what he was getting at is if you just keep adding more dots, you get a more and more accurate image, essentially more and more pixels, right? We're talking about a nine by a nine pixel image uh, and you can theoretically scale that up to 16 million pixels and all of a sudden have a pretty clear idea. Here's where this gets really cool. So he's talking about this on this podcast, walking into an MRI machine and doing the same thing. And it turns out they did this. And so I linked to a video that is a YouTube video. It's really, really cool. I'm going to try to find where there was. Go watch this video. It's pretty freaking fascinating. They basically stuck somebody in the fMRI machine, measured the brain activity. They had the subject watch several hours of movie trailers in here. And what they were doing the whole time was building a regression model. So a dictionary, essentially. Just like I said with the dots, it translates the edges, shapes, the motion in the movies, and they measure the whole thing so they know exactly where in the brain those things are lighting up. And what that means is there's a trigger then in your brain when a particular neuron fires and creates this electromagnetic impulse response that lights up one of these sections of your brain and they can map that now very accurately. And so then the third step was they record brain activity to a new set of movie trailers to test the quality. Just so they just kind of iterate and go over this process over and over again. This is literally how you build a neural network. This is literally how you build an AI. Yeah. But they're doing it with the human brain. And then after that, they build a random library of, and this is around 18 million seconds. That's about 5,000 hours of video randomly downloaded from YouTube. So this is the library that they're going to compare to. So essentially they say, hey, go download all of YouTube. And then when you want to map an image in this person's brain, go find an image on YouTube that looks similar. So this is like one step away from just literally recording the brain. But instead, what they're doing is they're they're measuring the impulse response and they're saying, okay, go find an image that looks like this impulse response. Yeah. And then they're smashing it all together into a video. And the result is this interpolated footage, right? This is not directly from their brain, but it's interpolated footage that reflects what is in someone's brain. Yeah. And it's pretty freaking cool what the result is. I mean, you can see... There's a scene where the trailer they were showing somebody is a, of an elephant walking across the savanna, and you can see a crappy version of that happening on the right panel. And the only reason it's crappy is that it was interpolated from all this YouTube footage, yeah. you know? So like I said, once we get to the point where we can put more electrodes on the brain, you know, the more electrodes, the more accurate, we don't need the interpolated footage from downloaded YouTube of arguably low quality anyway. We can directly record the brain. The whole thing, you know, I looked at this years ago, I looked at it again a few years back and I looked at it today and I'm like, it's getting closer and closer and we're almost to the point where we can, you know, have some kind of helmet we wear at night and record our dreams and literally watch them on TV the next day. I love that because every time I wake up, I'm like, man, I had this crazy dream. Oh, I just forgot what it was about. 
<laughs> right? We do that. As soon as we're like lucid again, we forget what we dreamed about and no longer. We don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Soon enough, right? There's some scary implications to this, but let's stay positive for a minute. <laughs> the, think about what this would mean for things like treating PTSD or abuse victims or even just improving your own personal, like your memory and the way you can visualize and things like that. Like, you know, being able to do this would provide some biofeedback. So like if I'm starting to remember something, so I don't know if I told you, I think I've told you about this before, but like a couple of times over the past few years, I get this nagging half memory of something and it's very personal, but I can't ever remember who the other person was involved. It was this whole scenario and I will try and try and try for days. It will just pop up out of nowhere, this memory of something and I'll just almost get it and then it fades. And that's happened to me a couple of times. I don't know if that's a normal thing for people, but that's definitely happened to me. So there's this memory that I can't recover. But if I could record it and see the bits that are flagging to me as that's that's it. I remember that. This slowly I could reconstruct this memory. So having a technology like that could help people who've had, you know, brain damage, who've had trauma of any kind to reconstruct those things and deal with them. So there's a lot of really positive things that can come out of this. Some negative things too. I mean, you know, we just know the advertising industry is going to get hold of this and figure out a way to <laughs> broadcast. You know, you love post oats and or whatever. You really love Lexus. I'm sure there will be some manipulation there. You really want to vote, vote for Biden. <laughs> I've always contended though, like, well, I am a conspiracy theorist, but you know, I don't really care about Big Brother as much because I've got enough experience working with the government to know that they're so infuriatingly unorganized that there's no way they can actually use it to anyone's benefit. <laughs> you know, that's a joke. It's tongue in cheek. But like, yeah. you know, I'm like, hey, if, if I have to watch ads and it seems like I do, even though I pay gratuitous amounts of money to services specifically so I don't have to have ads, it seems like we're just going to always have ads. So if I have to watch ads, then they might as well be ads that are things that I might want, you know, things that I want to buy. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't want to watch a Pop-Tart ad because I don't really like Pop-Tarts, but you show me a Hot Pocket ad, I'm all over that. I'm all over that. <laughs> Combine the two. I want all the Hot Pockets. Hot, you you hot really want to intrigue Nick Thacker, show me a microwave that can cook a Hot Pocket without turning the inside into lava. <laughs> Molten lava with a frozen crust or vice versa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this is cool That's, stuff, man, because you're exactly right. Like I have had bouts of anxiety. And yeah. still struggle with it every now and then. And one of the many methods for treating and, and helping with that is meditation, which is effectively allowing things to come into your brain so that you can pinpoint where they are. Yeah. If you imagine your head, like everything in your brain is like this sky above your head and individual thoughts are clouds coming through it. You know that, okay, there's a black cloud over here and that's anxiety and I'm going to feel it. And you know that it's eventually going to pass. Yeah. But you can't really force the cloud to go any faster. This would be a way of externally motivating your brain to not let the cloud enter your thoughts in the first place. Because if I can light up that section of my brain that says, here's this thought that keeps coming up that turns into anxiety, I could zap it a few times and train my brain to not allow that thought in. Now, there may be some downsides to that, right? We don't want to just delete everything in our brain that we don't want because that seems like, you know, humans typically overstep and do stupid things more often than not. But I don't know. I just think it's a really cool treatment option for that sort of thing. Hey, wear this helmet for three hours a day. And anytime you have those anxious thoughts, you know, click a button and then the helmet will know, okay, that thought, we're going to have to get rid of that. Yeah. Cool things, man. It's a pretty cool world we there live in. There was a movie from the 80s. Idiocracy. Like Brainscape. <laughs> Remember Brainscape? 
I don't remember Brainscape. Is it like Lawnmower Man? You probably won't remember. Yeah, I think it's called Brainscape. I'm looking it up now, but it was a movie that was exactly this idea. Brainstorm. I think that was it. Brainstorm. It had Christopher Walken. Yep, that was it. And the idea was they had this technology that could record your thoughts, your dreams, your live experiences, and anyone could put that on and re-experience what you were thinking and feeling and you know, whatever. And of course, it got used for porn right away. Somebody recorded themselves right. having sex and they, <laughs> you know. But what was interesting about the movie was that it was showing the dark side of that technology. Like, what sort of thing could go wrong? And right. there was this right. sort of, you know, I don't remember the exact premise of, of this film. It's been decades since I watched it. But basically, people's, like, personal psychoses was starting to kind of interfere with this. And if I remember right, like... They ended up in, with this scenario with like a serial killer or something leaping from mind to mind. I may be crossing several streams here with that. <laughs> but it, what was fascinating to me was this exact idea, was that they created this technology and then it started to get used first in the military for training and things like that. But basically, it was getting used for some pretty horrible things. Yeah, oh, of course. And it created some pretty horrible side effects. The movie itself is a nice warning to people about the danger of technology and messing with the human mind. And and leave it to humanity to come up with not just the most horrible, obvious things, but the most horrible things that normal people should never even think of yeah. with this stuff, yeah. this technology. It's like, you know, Nazis, eugenics and all that very easily leads to that yeah. side of things. Like. Yeah. You guys wouldn't, weren't just happy, you know, doing normal torture and experimentation on people. You had to come up with new ones. <laughs> right. So things that, because that is one of the things that they did was they were using it to interrogate people, I think. Uh, and they were torturing them sure. by yeah. locking them in their own minds and having them experience. Ho because you didn't just experience like if you were going through like a haunted house or something and all these horrible things were happening, you would eventually be desensitized to it. But the way this worked was those things were fresh the entire time. So your body entered this high state of anxiety and stayed there because it never completed the cycle, could never become accustomed to it because you were just getting the fresh experience of fear the whole time. So yeah, pretty scary stuff, but hopefully nobody does that. But of course we know they will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then combine this with that dead internet theory and now we're starting to get some interesting parallels. Some interesting uh, stuff, yeah. 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 I mean, I could definitely write a I story. I do find it, uh, oh, absolutely. Well, and I, like I said, I have, you know, I think the dead internet theory one, I haven't touched that one yet. I don't even understand that one yet. I just, I got to sit with that one, mull it over for a bit. There's so can... much more to it than what I was able to convey in this because I went on some tangents, but it's a really interesting conspiracy theory that the world you see through the lens of the internet hasn't existed for like five years is the general idea. I like it. Which I think if you start looking at social media, so my wife and I have talked about this a lot, but we'll hear about these like sweeping controversies and protests and things that are happening. And the only place we ever see any evidence of it is in the media, social media and mainstream media. We literally drove through towns that were supposedly under siege while it was happening and saw no evidence of anything happening. Hmm. That doesn't mean it wasn't happening somewhere else in the city or whatever. But like we were in the van when we were all over the place. We were all over that landscape during the time that there were supposedly marches and fires and violence. And I have no doubt that that's, some of that stuff happened. But it was nowhere near as pervasive as what the media made it mm. out to be. 
it was just, just simply was not. I mean, whatever your political persuasion, I was there. <laughs> so, uh, Well, you know, I think part of that is that there could be a conspiracy theory that the internet isn't real. Mm-hmm. However, there is no conspiracy. This is an objective fact that the mainstream media is absolute horseshit. Yeah, yeah it's complete And lies. I will say that until the day I die. So, I worked in media. I know what goes on behind the scenes. I've worked with people on the local and national level of media. And you are being lied to whether you want to believe it or not. Almost nothing mm, you hear. Yep, you just you wake up and choose which lies you want to hear. That's all we do today. Right. That's what it is. So that's not conspiracy. Yeah. That's just fact. That's you know? just fact. If you're you getting your here, stuff that we would talk about that all the time, but that's not cool. Stuff that's real. That's not, that's cool. not very cool. Yeah, that's uncool. That's a different <laughs> podcast. You may not have known it was real, but it's not cool. <laughs> anyway, things that are not cool all over. Uh, back to the things that are cool. I think these two count very well in the categories that we have chosen to define as our niche. Stuff that's real. You may not have known it was real. It's also cool. The internet is not real, everyone. And uh, <laughs> and you heard it here first from these folks on the internet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool stuff. Well, we'll keep you updated as we hear more about these stories. And you know, if the internet ends up being real, of course, we'll let you know. If you think the internet's real or not real, we'd love to hear that. All right. Send us a note. Drop us a line at hello at stuffthatsreal.com. We will assume that you're a real human sending us that, not just some bot telling us the internet's real. But I know you're out there, bot, Skynet bots that are saying, "Don't nothing to see here, folks. The internet's totally real. I'm bots not a bot. Bots are our biggest listeners. Signed, a bot. Yeah. <laughs> Signed, your friendly neighborhood bot. <laughs> anyway, we better wrap this up. But I'm always interested to hear what you cook up each week because you guys know we don't send each other these beforehand, Nope. Uh, which is kind of part of the shtick. You know, we just sort of see... If there's something yet we haven't covered, it seems like I've uncovered all stones in the stuff that's real category, but every week I surprise myself and I'm surprised by you. So we'll hopefully keep that going for you. We'd love to hear from you. Of course, go go drop a review or something on your favorite podcast platform. You know, go tell people of the world. Go tell the world that we are awesome. We'd love that too. I'm going to close us out here. Thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Have a good week, everyone. Keep it real. Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com slash str.